welcome to the part two of this series where we are exploring the phenomenon of left-handedness and the associated link with creativity. My name is Zika and I moderate the Colavari Creativity Series podcast. So Aziz ended the part one highlighting the fact that because left-handers live in a world that is designed for right-handers, they have the potential of being more creative. So we're just going to move right into the part where Aziz gives us examples that can explain this. So Aziz, please take it away. Before I give you the examples, I don't know okay. recap. Um, okay. I think for me, the key point from um, part one of this series, and I will say it again, 90% of the world is right-handed. So the world is designed for right-handers. If you are left-handed, the world is somehow designed against you. And that might put you, and that puts you really in a unique situation. You will engage things differently. You will see things differently. And therefore, potentially be more creative. Keyword there is potentially be more creative. So I'm going to give two examples and I'll be using two guitarists to explain this. Jimi Hendrix and a lady called Elizabeth Lieber Cotton. Now, Jimi Hendrix was regarded as the greatest guitarist ever. I mean, Rolling Stone magazine, one of the most foremost uh, magazines that you know talks, talks about such things, rated him the greatest guitarist of all time. And if you ask most people, they regard him as the greatest guitarist of all time. For Elizabeth Cotton, her story is very interesting. And you know why? She started playing uh, guitar at a very young age. She got married, she stopped performing until she got to her 60s before she started performing live and recording her, her albums. She is the inventor of the cutting, picking style of playing the guitar. Both of them were left handed, both of them had to learn to play the guitar. Right, that was both of them were left handed, but they played guitars that were designed for right handed people because in those days there were very few guitars designed for left handed people. So, if you were interested in playing the guitar, you had to play the guitar designed for right handed people. Now, and that puts you in a very peculiar situation. You had to play the guitar several ways, but I'll explain two ways. Typically, a lot of people would who were left handed would play the guitar right handed, meaning that they would have to play guitar as if they were right-handed yeah or some of them will turn they will flip the guitar upside down and play it differently or they'll play wrongly whatever you want to classify so so they so both Jimi hendrix and elizabeth cotton played learn how to play the guitar you know in a unique way they both played the guitar upside down so they engaged the guitar differently and, and, and like i said i i, I doubt whether um, elizabeth cotton or Jimi hendrix were from the beginning, they thought about creating innovative music. They were just trying to play the guitar left-handed because they were left-handers. And that put a constraint on them. So the music they, they produce today, we appreciate, we like, we regard as innovative music. But from their perspective, we're just left-handers playing a, a, an instrument designed for right-handers. Now, from my research, I noticed three things that were similar between Jimi Hendrix and Maybach um, Cotton. And I, and I think influenced their, the, the, the way we regard them today as, you know, one of the greatest guitarists and the originator of the cutting picking style of playing. 
So three things. The first one is the issue of diversity. Now, Elizabeth Cotton started playing the banjo, not the guitar, because her brother owned the banjo, and that's what she, she learned how to, to, to play. Now, for Jimi Hendrix, it was a one-string ukulele. That was what he started playing with. Now, so diversity. So before they started playing the guitar, they learned other instruments. Yeah. So they brought the uniqueness of this instrument into their guitar playing, and that gave them an additional uniqueness. Yeah. So that's one. Two, they both played the guitar upside down. So the issue of constraint. Yeah. So because they were playing the guitar upside down, they were constrained in the way they played the guitar. They played it differently from how it was designed to, to be, be played. played. So they played it, you know, they had a constraint in, in, in playing it. And three is the issue of experimentation. Now, both Jimi Hendrix and Elizabeth Curtin didn't have anybody to teach them. So, in a way, what they were doing while they were learning, they were doing it wrongly. Because they were playing the guitar upside down. Now, if they had teachers, if they had somebody that was teaching them, maybe they would have had to learn, learn the, to play like right-handers. Right, exactly, the right way. So the issue here is the issue of experimentation. Because they were playing it, in quotes, wrongly, they were experimenting with new ways of playing the guitar. And that's how they came up with some of the unique ways that today we appreciate they were playing against the way the guitar was designed. And that's, and that's how, that's how they, they came up with what we say, wow, creative music. Or what um, uh, in Elizabeth Cotton is called the cutting, picking style of playing the guitar. She didn't sit down to say, you know what, I'm going to come up with this style. Yeah. She learned playing with her brother's banjo. So when she carried her guitar, she carried it in a similar way. Mm. She learned playing a guitar that was designed for right-handers. She turned it upside down. And she produced unique, beautiful music, which today we all appreciate. So I think these three things actually made them produce beautiful, good music. Hmm. Okay, so Aziz, let me put you on the spot. So if um, these two musicians, yeah. um, Jimi Hendrix and um, Libra Cotton, if they were not left-handed... Do you think they would have been great people? They would have been great. I think they would have been great musicians. Okay. I think Jimmy Hendrix would have been a great musician. But would Jimmy Hendrix have been regarded as the greatest guitarist of all time? I doubt. Mm. I doubt. The the what made Jimmy Hendrix special and unique was the way he played the guitar. And that all came about because he was left-handed. He had to play the guitar differently. Now, for Elizabeth Cotton, the cutting, picking style of playing the guitar only came because she was left-handed. She had to flip the guitar upside down and therefore she had to play the guitar in a very different way. So, they would have been great guitarists. But maybe but, not the greatest. But Jim Hendrix, could, I, I doubt that we would rate him the greatest guitarist of all time. And Liba Cutting would never have come up with that, her cutting picking style of playing the guitar. Because they would play it like every other exactly. guitarist. And it's that uniqueness about them that made them produce something that was different. I, I, I would add this. I was reading an article. There was a lady who, um, she's left-handed, and she wrote an article, which I found very interesting. And she said, when she was learning how to play the guitar, she was left-handed, and she, 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 she had a teacher. 
Um, every time she she tried to do something different, what did the teacher do? That's wrong. That's not uh. how to do it. You understand? <laughs> so she couldn't experiment because there was somebody there who was telling her, no, that's not the right way. This is how it should be done. And and, and, and she could understand why maybe Nebakotin could come up with that her unique way because nobody told she had her, to experiment. Exactly, nobody told her what she was doing was wrong. She was just trying her stuff. She was experimenting. But today we say, hmm, that's a very different way of playing Nikita. That's a unique way of playing Nikita and today we appreciate that. Great. So there's so much information to give but before we go on, let's go on a very quick break. We will be right back. Pulavera Solutions is a people-focused human resources firm based in Nigeria. My name is Sher Majaro. Engaging with Aziz and the Colover Solutions team has helped me understand better the business world and how to navigate my career. Working at Colavari Solutions has been very enriching. I am a lot more appreciative of the individual value everyone brings to the team. I was, I was, I was actually blown away as to how um, detailed, organized, transparent his process was. Hello, my name is Soba Fubara Abraham. Um, I work with uh, Synergy Capital, manage a private equity firm. To learn more about Colavera Solutions, visit our website at www.colaverasolutions.com. Follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Colavera Solutions. Welcome back. So, um, from the examples you have given us, what practical tips can we learn from them? So, Again, I said this in part one, and I'm going to say this again. My focus with this um, episode is not for us to put people who are left handed on the on the on the high pedestal yeah. and you know bow to them. <laughs> you know, that's 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 not my aim. My aim is what can we learn from this whole process? It's, the issue is all about learning. I think there are things that we can learn, and that's what I want to share. Remember, I have had I highlighted three similarities between. Jimi Hendrix and Liba uh, Cutting. I'll just go over them again. The issue of diversity, the issue of constraint, and the issue of experimentation. Along those lines, I, w- I will talk about what I think we can learn. But I will start with um, the point on constraint. And I'm going to borrow a theme for, from what we learned in episode 5. Remember, lessons from jazz. Yeah. Natalie talked about Frank Barrett and his the seven lessons that we could learn from jazz. So I'm going to borrow from him. So I'm calling the first um, the first thing we're talking about, uh, I'll call it provocative creativity. So I borrowed it from Frank Barrett, who talked about provocative competence. And this is what he said. He defined it. He says, is the capacity to create discrepancies and dissonances that trigger people to move away from habitual positions and repetitive patterns. This is what it means. It means we should put ourselves in unfamiliar situations that demand novel responses. Now, so left-handers 
are provoked to be creative because they live in a world designed for writings. That's my view. I think companies can design work to provoke creativity by deliberately introducing abnormalities and dysfunctionalities in the system. So companies should deliberately go against the trend just to provoke creativity. I'll give an example. Again, I will borrow this example from, from jazz music. Miles Davis, regarded as one of the greatest jazz musicians of all time, had this concert in New York and he prevented his band from rehearsing. They didn't rehearse before the, before the performance. Okay? As if that, that, was not, um, um, that was not enough. He would play familiar songs in different notes, in different keys. So the band, his band members had to, on the spot, improvise. And what he was looking for, he wanted them to come up with new ways of playing songs that they were familiar with. And that whole process made that performance one of Miles Davis' greatest performance ever. Again, that he, so what he did was just, he provoked his band members by, one, preventing them from, from, um, uh, from rehearsing, and two, playing familiar songs in different keys just to get them to think and play music differently. Now, how might we apply that in the workplace? I'll give some practical examples. So, you could have the finance team develop one of the key processes for the sales team. You are just provoking... I mean, here you have a finance team designing a process for a sales team. You're going to have people come up with strange and weird... But that's basically what you're trying to do. You want to provoke people to think differently. That's one. Two, companies should also try what I call approval down rather than approval up. So this is what I mean. Typically... um, you get approvals from people higher up. So if you were my manager, Zika, for example, if I needed an approval, I would get an approval from you because you're my manager. But what I'm saying is that companies can experiment with approval down. So rather than get approval from my manager, the manager I get gets approval, approval from, from a team member <laughs> reporting to me. Again, you are trying to provoke creativity. Without work, that's not the point. You yeah. want to provoke creativity. Three, and, and these companies have started doing this, is what is called reverse mentorship. And this is where you have, typically, a mentor is somebody more experienced providing guidance to somebody less experienced. If you, if you flip it around, reverse mentorship is having somebody less experienced <laughs> providing guidance to somebody more experienced. Interesting. Exactly. You are trying to provoke creativity. And three, and four... For, comp- for companies that have locations across the world, hey, pick a manager or a guy, send him to a country where he doesn't speak the language. Again, what's the worst that can happen? He will learn. Yeah. Again, you are trying to provoke creativity. So I think companies can, can, can try out these things. But the key here is you have to deliberately introduce these abnormalities. You don't want to wreck the system. So don't introduce too many abnormalities and don't do them too frequently, frequently. else you will destabilize the system. So that's the first point. Provoke creativity by introducing 
abnormalities and dysfunctionalities. Two is the issue of experimentation or embracing errors. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Had Jimi Hendrix and Libakotin had someone teaching them the guitar, they might have prevented them from playing the guitar upside down. Meaning, they might have prevented them from experimenting. And today, we appreciate them as talented musicians and innovators because they experimented and they came up with new music. So, organizations would do well to value errors as a source of learning rather than an occasion for punishment. According to Frank Barrett, this is what he said. He said, to punish error is to squash experimentation. I'll say that again. To punish error is to squash experimentation. And I'm going to give another example from jazz. And this one I found very interesting and, and unique. Ella Fitzgerald, I don't know if you know Azika. She is regarded as one of the greatest voices in jazz music. So, she was in a performance in Berlin in 1960. And as she was rounding up her performance on stage, live performance, she decided to do a song. A song she had not rehearsed. A song she was not too familiar with. A song her band wasn't too familiar with. So, she started singing. And everything was going on well. Until midway through the performance, she forgot the words of the song. And what did she do? She started experimenting. She made up words for the song. She was just saying anything. You know what happened? That performance won her two Grammy Awards. Two Grammy Awards from experimenting. You know what I recommend? I mean, after this whole um, um, show, go back and listen to, to that performance. It is, it is just, it is just lovely. Now, even us, this is the second example I'm going to give. Even us in Calavari, we also have experimented. Now, I don't know if you remember when we had the interview with David. You know, we did it via, via Zoom. Now, after listening to the recording, we found out that my part and your part didn't We're come out clear. clear. Yeah. And, and, but David's part came out very clear. So for us, it was either we're going to do the whole recording again or come up with something different and unique. That's why we came up with the whole concept of doing commentaries before and after excerpts of the interviews. interviews. Yeah. And today, that has become our standard yeah. you know, way of... And we actually got feedback from people yeah, and they enjoyed it. Exactly. exactly. So, how might that work in the work environment? Okay, so, rather than seek approvals, because this is how a lot of companies are set up. If you have an idea and you want to try try something out, you would have to go through an approval process. And it is only when you receive approvals that that thing you want to do would be allowed to fly. So, rather than seek approval for everything, companies can try to experiment. And this is why. The, the normal approval process in most companies will kill innovative ideas. Why? Because a lot of ideas that are innovative, they go against our natural experiences and assumptions. So if you take them through your internal approval process in any company, they will keep those ideas. So some companies have decided to go live with, ex- with experimentation. So if you have an idea, let's go ahead and test it. Life. Now, 
the, 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 because of, of how the internet and everything is right now, you can actually do a lot of testing life that will not cost you much. So rather than try and seek for approval, companies should also allow some of these ideas they have to be experimenting life. You understand? If you have an idea, test it live with your with your customers. What do they think about it? Rather than ask for approval, ask your customers. You know, do a survey. You know, just try, try things out, and you know, and 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 and, and let's see what what happens. Secondly, leaders can create a culture of experimentation to encourage their employees to share and test new ideas. How can they try this out? Simple. They can dedicate a day in a month or a day every quarter where employees can come up with new where employees can present new ideas that they've come up with. Now there are different ways of doing this. You could have you could have employees present ideas as you know just employees themselves or you could help employees the whole point is you want people to try out and present new ideas you don't want people to and and during this whole process of of um, uh, coming up with ideas you don't want people to say oh that idea is wrong no what you are trying to encourage is people to come up with new ideas and present them now the reason companies are scared of experimenting is because they are afraid of failing Every time you see failure as a weakness or something to be punished, you are depriving yourself of learning experiences. For every 10 experiments, it's possible that 9 will fail. Maybe 1 will succeed. In fact, maybe the 10, 10 <laughs> might, might fail. But, that, but that's not the point. The, the whole point with experimentation is that it provides an opportunity for learning. And that's what you should take out of it. Experimentation provide opportunity for learning. The third point I talked about is the issue of diversity. That we can learn from Libby Cutting and Jimi Hendrix. Now, diversity is more than race or gender. I would also include experiences and exposure. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. So, I mean, I won't... I won't go that detail, but I will just share a couple of things I think companies can can do. So, for employees and individuals, I've said this and I'm going to say it again, you want to deliberately broaden your horizon, broaden what you read, you understand, read outside your areas of, of operation. I think that will help you. Companies should encourage employees to move around, not only around different departments, but around different locations. So, um, if you if you spend most of your career in sales, it would be nice to have an experience in finance or you know some other department. It helps. Diversity helps. Okay. But I would I would this time I I will not use the word encourage. I would say companies should deliberately move their managers around. And the reason why it's important is that you want people who lead your teams to be diverse. So you, I, 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 I recommend that companies should deliberately move their managers around. You want managers that are diverse, not narrow-minded. And this is the reason why it's important. Now, you have a market that is made up of a diverse, made up of diverse people. Now, the more diverse you have of the people coming up with the ideas, 
the more you're able to meet the needs of your market. If if the team coming up with your ideas, if they are narrow and limited, mm. they would not they would they would not be speaking to the entire population of your market. Yeah. So the more diverse your team, the more you are able to meet the demand of your market. So mm. that's why diversity is very important for companies. Because different experiences, different exposures yeah. represent your clients, exactly. your customers. I mean, if you have a team made up of just men, for example, your market is made up of women and men. So you are limited in the ideas that you are going to generate. But if you have a team made up of men and women, you your ideas would, would meet the, the diversity of the population of women and, and, and men in, in the market. So I think these are things that we can practicalize and implement and I think it will make us more creative in our, in our jobs. I think I appreciate now, I appreciate why we have to split this um, episode because this particular part is actually packed full with a lot of um, helpful um, tips that companies, even individuals can um, try to apply. So um, this is the end of this episode and I'll just give a quick um, summary of what I learned before we go. I think we already established the fact that being left-handed does not equate to being creative. Scientifically. <laughs> scientifically. There's no proof that being left-handed means you're more creative. Scientifically. Yes, yeah. scientifically. There is no proof for that. But because they are in, let me say, constraint yeah again remember that's my that's my view yeah okay that's that's okay. our view okay yeah but but i think if you think about it it's actually very true because they are in in that constraint they have to come up with creative ideas because they live in a world that most things are produced and for designed right, for, right, designed, uh, yes, for, for right handers yeah. um i think another thing that was highlighted for me in this part is like you said we're not here to justify or to say left-handed people are more creative but there are lots of things that we can learn and some of the things that you highlighted i think the three um issues you talked about from um, Jimi hendrix and liber cutting on diversity constraints and experimentation are very very important that even we right-handers can actually put into practice yeah. and explore, you know, that aspect, that part of us to be more creative. I think those are some of the things that were very important in this episode. So do you have any last words before we go? I mean, I think for me, the, the Ella Fitzgerald example for me is just, I just found it very interesting. I mean, and when you actually do a lot of research on it, a lot of the jazz musicians were fond of such experimentation. Whether it was Miles Davis, you know, and a few they they were always experimenting, and a lot of what we appreciate today about them came from such experimentation. So, my advice to companies is: if you do not make, if you are not willing to make mistakes, you are not willing to learn. And your company might not progress. Disclaimer, he mentioned this that please don't, you know, deliberately deliberately introduce abnormalities every time and wreck the system of your company. But these things are very important for you know to explore creativity and um, be more productive. Okay, so this is the end of the episode and um 
This particular episode, as always, is being edited and produced by Joshua Praise, and the soundtrack is an original music of Justo Christos. The poster was designed by Faith Follering and Joseph Okafo. Don't forget to continue to share, listen to all our episodes on um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Stitcher, and we're also available on YouTube at Colavari Creativity Series. And you can also check us out on LinkedIn and on Instagram at Colavari Solutions. Until the next episode, as is, I think we should say this together, have, have a, a creative, creative week. week. <laughs> okay, bye. bye.